Amen. I really appreciated that good song this morning. Thankful that we can be brought into the Holy of Holies, that we can enter in. And uh, trusting that the Lord is going to meet us there. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We have been on a hiatus from uh, our series on the Lord's Prayer, and I knew that when we started it that that was going to happen. I didn't know I was going to be sick and it was going to be a three-week layoff, Um, but uh, the Lord did. The Lord knew all about it. And we've been studying the five R's of prayer. And uh, thinking about the three R's of school, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and there's only one that actually starts with R in that one, but all of these do start with R. And uh, we last, last time that we were able to speak on this, we, we were able to preach the third of, of the five, and uh, you know what, I'm going to do something dangerous. Let's see who remembers them. All right, the first one. I'll give you the verse, and uh, I'll give you the verses, and you, you tell me what it is. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Relationship, relationship with God, relationship with God. Are you cheating, sister? Do you have your notes? <laughs> you know what? That I'm going to allow that because if you take notes, that's that's all right. Um, all right, the next one, the next part of that uh, is uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Do you remember what that R was? The reign of God. Absolutely, the reign of God. So first we begin with relationship in our prayer time. Then we move to thinking about God's authority, his control. His reign in the, in the world, the universe, the reign in our lives, the reign, in, the reign even in those that, that don't accept him as king. He's still king. And last week we spoke on give us this day, or not last week, last time, give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Reliance, reliance on God. That we are, we are completely and totally dependent on Him for everything, for our big needs and our little needs, uh, whatever they might be, the, the reliance on God. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. And actually, because of, um, because of today's especially, uh, Jesus gave commentary on this in the two verses after, and so we're going to. I'm actually going to read two verses more than I, than I have been. But Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine, and after this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. By the help of the Lord, the fourth R we're going to share this morning is reconciliation with God. Reconciliation with God. Father, these words are heavy, especially as we read what Jesus says after the prayer. Immediately after he teaches us to pray, he shows us the, this incredible truth, makes things clear to us. And for, Father, I ask that you'd help us not to take these words lightly. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth that we might find in our hearts a resting place for this truth, that it will not leave us. Though we may forget this message, though we may forget the words, the truth would find a place in our heart that, we, that would not be forgotten. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we are a nation of debtors. We are, we use a lot of debt in this country, don't we? I, I mean, in, we've, got, we've got credit card debts, we've got mortgages and car payments and student loans. In fact, student loans have become such a, a big deal that, that there are political candidates who are promising to pay off your student loans by using other people's money. Not nice. <laughs> but not only individuals, but as a nation, how many trillions of dollars are we in debt? I didn't look it up this morning, but you can, if you want, you can go to places or websites and, and it'll show you how fast that, the interest is racking up on those trillions of dollars. And I mean, I wish I made money as fast as that the interest is. <laughs> we'd, be do, we'd all be doing all right, wouldn't we? We're just a nation of debtors. And for us, debt is an annoyance. Probably is the, for most Americans, it's just an annoyance. Oh, we got a bill in the mail. It's it got to pay the mortgage payment. Oh, we got to pay the credit card bill. Oh, we got it's it's another annoyance. But it's not really that big of a deal. In fact, most political candidates says America can handle way more debt than we currently have. And I don't know if that's true or not, but but it's just an annoyance that 16 trillion plus or whatever it is that we owe it. Oh, it's 19. Someone knows. Oh, boy. Isn't that exciting? Does it affect you and me today? Not really. Will it affect our kids or will it affect us in a few years? Maybe. Greece found out what it's like to have the debt come due. I don't know. I'm not trying to get political this morning. What I'm just trying to help us understand is, is when we hear Jesus say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we, don't, we, we have a hard time, I think, understanding what Jesus is saying. 
Because for us, debt is annoying. It's, it's something we put off later. You know, we, I, I knew a lady, I, I worked with her. The, she had a slew of credit cards, and she'd take cash advances from one to pay off other, the minimum payment. And I told her, I said, there's going to come a point when you are, <laughs> this is all going to come due. And she said, I know, but she said, this is what I have to do. You, you could maybe cut back on your spending. <laughs> but in Roman times, in Jesus' day, debt wasn't annoying. Debt was very serious. Because in those days, the vast majority of people sitting in prison were not criminals, but debtors. So, Alex and Lorinda decide that they're not going to pay off their mortgage. They're, they're going to get behind a few payments. That doesn't sound very exciting, but they, they don't pay. Maybe they get sick. They can't work. It's not their fault, necessarily. And so, the prison guards show up, say, Alex, it's time to pay. And Alex says, I've been sick, I got hurt, I can't, I can't work. And they said, all right, Alex, come with us, you're going to prison. Now that doesn't sound very good, but here's the thing. Alex now can't work. He can't, he can't pay it off. He, even if he gets better phys physically, he gets past his, his health issues. Alex can't go to work, he's in jail. And now Lorinda's sitting home, and in these days, Lorinda can't work. She's sitting home. She can't. She can't do anything. She can't hardly work. Maybe she can take in some wash, maybe do a few things, but maybe sell some things. But, but now the pressure's on Lorinda. Get this paid if you want to see your husband out of prison again. He can rot there until the debt's paid. Now, this is an annoyance. This is now catastrophic. Because now... There's no hope for Lorinda to ever get, her, get Alex out. And now she's getting more debt because she's just trying to survive. And the idea, the reason why they did this was it was supposed to put pressure on the family to figure out ways to do it. And so, Doyle, your son's in prison. If you want him out, you better sell some property. You want your son out of prison, you better, you better work overtime. And so it put pressure on the rest of the family to figure out a way to pay off Alex's debt so Alex could come out. It's a terrible, terrible process. It's, it, it, I mean, it just it puts an undue burden on the, on, the, on the wife and the children, but then also on the extended family as they have to get this family member pay off their debt to get them out. But now Alex, let's say Doyle does that. Now Alex, not only, he's not free, he still needs to pay back his family. And he's still got the health issues. He's still got whatever, the bad economy, whatever else is going on in his life, he still may have those. And now all this time that he was in prison, Lorinda's added to the debt. And don't forget interest. It is a horrible, terrible cycle 
that was going on in that time. Debt was something that truly was a horrible and horrible situation. And here's what's even worse. Here's what's even worse. Let's say Alex died. They have a couple of kids. The creditors could come and take their children and sell them into slavery to pay off the debt. This is serious stuff. Debt is miserable in America. I'm not saying your debt isn't annoying to you. I'm not saying it isn't something that you pray about, doesn't cause you stress. But in Jesus' day, debt could destroy a family. It still destroys families. It's one of the biggest reasons why divorce, uh, reason given for divorces is because of financial situations. That's still destroying families. And that's why God speaks in his word a lot about not going into debt and about being careful when we do because the borrower is servant to the lender. Not saying that all debt is wrong, but, but you certainly want to be careful because it can be so destructive to the home. But in Jesus' day, it literally could tear a family apart. And Jesus says, puts it in the here, and as we're praying this, this Lord's Prayer, you know, we're, we're thinking about how wonderful our Father is, thinking about how God's in control of all things. He's reigning, and it's wonderful, and our reliance on God, He's going to meet our needs. And then Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Lord's Prayer, when Jesus prayed it, every phrase of it is shocking. Every phrase of it. We take this, this prayer that we've memorized, we teach it to our children, and, and, our, and our little ones can have it memorized, and, and they know it, but we take it so normal because it's what we've known it's what we've always known but every phrase is shocking to those that are hearing it for the first time god's our father god has never been referred as a personal father in all of the old testament of course god is in control we understand but we're supposed to pray for his kingdom and to come that was that's a little different and now and now, God is saying to us that we ought to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As I was going through this, I, I was thinking about the fact that he says to us as Christians that we are supposed to pray to the Lord, forgive us our debts. Or Luke says, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Wait a minute here. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Jimmy, I, I know you're sleepy here. But look. A Christian supposed to ask God for forgiveness? And this is a prayer we pray daily. We're supposed to pray daily for forgiveness of sins. How is it? Wait a minute. I thought Christians don't sin. Now, will we teach that Christians don't sin? How is it that Christians who don't sin, 
need to pray and ask daily for forgiveness of their sin, are, are we talking about all those past sins that, that, that happened? Are we having to ask God to keep forgiving us for our past sin? Because, because there's a, a time you know, that, that God doesn't truly forgive us. We have to keep every day getting fresh forgiveness for old sins? No. What's going on here? How is it that a Christian who doesn't sin is asking for forgiveness of sin? Here's, the, here's what we, don't, we often misunderstand. In the Old Testament, there were two kinds of sin that are made mention of. Two different kinds of sin. There's the sin, what is called the sin of the high hand. This is the sin that you and I refer to when we talk about sin. This is knowingly and willfully breaking God's law. The sin of the high hand was, I know God says no, but I'm going to do it anyways. I know the, I know the boundary, and I'm willing, I'm choosing to break the law of God anyways. That's the sin of the high hand. The Old Testament also has another sin category called the sin of ignorance. And this sin is not willfully or, in, uh, or not knowingly breaking God's law. The Christian, the saved person, will not commit the sin of the high hand. He will not choose to sin willfully and knowingly. But the Christian may, through ignorance, negligence, accident, he may violate God's law and not have his will involved. Does that make sense? So, so here's, here's an example. Let me, let me kind of put it a, a little in, in our day-to-day life. Um, so uh, we're, we're walking out, and, and uh, I accidentally step on Brother Gary's foot. Should I say I'm sorry? Absolutely. Did I mean to step on his foot? No. There's a lot of people around. I, was, I wasn't paying attention. I made a mistake. Did I? Brother Gary, I'm sure is going to say, that's all right. Not a problem. Probably go home and not even remember that I actually stepped on his foot, unless I did damage, which I hope I didn't. But, but probably not even remember. It'll be a quick apology. He knows I didn't mean it. No problem. However, if while we're walking out, Brother Gary is, is, is there, and I go... <laughs> on his foot. <laughs> now suddenly things are a lot different, aren't they? What is ha- the same thing has happened. I have stepped on his foot. And maybe even the force or the damage is the same as far as physical damage, but relationship-wise, we have a different problem, don't we? Now, I can say to Brother Gary, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. 
I don't know what, over, uh, what happened. And he's probably, hopefully, going to forgive me for that. But now there's a, there's a relationship thing. And whenever I come near him, he might be just uh, being careful about where my feet are. For a little while, at least. We have a relationship problem, don't we? Because I purposely and willfully stomped on his foot or stepped on his foot. And now we have, there's a relationship problem. And this is the same way spiritually. When we would step on God's law unknowingly, unwillingly, and the Holy Spirit would come to us and say, son, daughter, your attitude here wasn't very good. Oh boy. Or son, daughter, I don't want you to do that anymore. Did we lose our salvation over that? Did we break relationship with God over that? Absolutely not. It was an accidental stepping on the law of God. But if God has said to us, I don't want you to do that anymore, and now you have an opportunity to do it, and you do it anyways, and you not accidentally, but purposely trampled on the law of God, we now have a relationship problem. It's the same behavior, the same actions you did, one in ignorance, one by negligence or accident, and one done by your will and unknowingly. They have different uh, effects on the relationship Completely and totally. Accidents we forgive. The person that, that has had to forgive me the most in this world is probably my wife. Because she, she stuck with me. <laughs> I hope, hope uh, hopefully happily. But <laughs> she has to forgive me because I may say something and hurt her feelings without meaning to. I may... I may have had a bad day and, and may have said some things sharper or more difficult that, or, or in, a, in a way that I need to say I'm sorry for, I didn't mean to speak to you that way, or I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. We may have to go back and make some corrections, and she knows that I didn't mean it, that I wasn't trying to hurt her and harm her, and it's okay. But if I'm purposely hurting her, purposely violating her, suddenly the relationship is strained. Not that she doesn't forgive me, but when a person purposely hurts us, it's completely different than an accident. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. He says, we need to pray and ask God as Christians, Lord, forgive us not only for the times we've trampled on your law, but Lord, forgive us when we've stepped on it not knowingly and foolishly and in ignorance. We need forgiven for that. You say, I'm not sure I'm, I'm following you, Pastor. All right, well, let's go to 1 John. 1 John 1, 7 tells us, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Why would a Christian need cleansed from unrighteousness if he's walking in the light? Because 
Right? If we wa are walking in the light, why do we need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? We're walking in all the light, right? We need the cleansing of the blood for the unrighteousness we are unaware of, the, the unrighteousness we don't have light on yet. We still presently need that cleansing. And so that's why we have to continue to walk in the light as he is in the light so that the blood of Jesus Christ will continually cleanse us from any unrighteousness that we may be unaware of, not have light on yet. I know this is kind of deep theologically, but I think it's an important piece because I'll be honest, I have, I have preached this, I've taught this, and I've had people get really angry with me because they think I'm teaching the wrong theology. This is what we believe. This is true doctrine, Arminian doctrine. All right, so I'm not, I'm not off, okay? This is, this is our doctrine. The problem is, is most of us don't understand our doctrine. And so I know this morning I'm getting a little more professory than probably than you'd prefer, but I'm just trying to help us to understand we have need of continual forgiveness, continual uh, cleansing, because there is unrighteousness we don't have light on yet. And we still need the forgiveness for that. And thank God he does. Thank, thank God it isn't that we have to be aware of it and say, Lord, I'm sorry, in order for us to be cleansed. But as we walk in the light, the Lord says, I understand he, he's not perfect in his knowledge. I understand he's, that he doesn't have light on that yet. I'm just going to keep cleansing him. You could never be a new convert. I mean, you could, I mean you'd, you'd, be, you'd lose your salvation on the way home probably. I mean, how would you know? But God is patient. And he says, this is the light he has, and he doesn't have light on that yet. He's not ready for that light yet. So I'm just going to cleanse him. I'm just going to forgive him anyways. He doesn't know that he's trampled on my law. He doesn't know that, that, that he's done wrong here. But he still loves me, and he's still walking in the light, and so I'm not going to count it against him. The forgiveness is there. The blood avails even for his ignorance. Praise God. Praise God. But then we get the second part. As we forgive our debtors. Oh boy. Now I want to be clear here. This does not say that we have to forgive everyone first before God forgives us. This is not work salvation. This is not, you know, you're seeking to be saved, and before you can get saved, you've got to go through and forgive everyone. That is not this. What this is, is we're saying to God, deal with me and my transgressions against you the same way I deal with other people who have harmed me. Wow. The Lord forgives us, we get saved, and we're going along, and we suddenly remember that Dean stomped on my toe. It was D Dean did it this time. Dean stomping on my toe, and he did it on purpose. 
At least I think he did. I'm convinced he did. And so I, I'm holding it against Dean, and, and the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, you need to forgive Dean. It, have I lost my salvation? Not yet. But wait a minute, you haven't forgiven him. Right. I haven't forgiven him yet. It's just come to light. Now I have a choice. Now I have a responsibility. Now it's on in my lap to decide what I'm going to do with Dean's stomping of my foot. I can either hold it against him, and the Greek word here for forgive means let it go. I can let it go and not hold it against him anymore, or I can hold it against him. It's my choice. A man went to his pastor, and he says, Pastor, he says, I know I'm a Christian. He says, but I can't forgive so-and-so. The, the harm they did, the wrong they did, I, he says, I've tried. I can't forgive him. And the pastor said this, if you can't forgive him, he says, and you've tried. He said, I've tried. He said, then you're not a Christian. If you can't forgive, you have not received the grace of salvation for yourself. A sinner can't forgive. A Christian can. Because we've been forgiven, we forgive. And they, as they got to that place, as, they, as, they, as, he, and, and as that man began to, to think about what the pastor said, he came back to his pastor and he said, you are absolutely right. Because I hadn't been forgiven him, I had leaked out spiritually. I had lost my salvation because I chose not to forgive. I said I can't when what I really meant was I won't. What I really meant was I won't. The, it's, not, it's not that the Holy Spirit shows and reveals to you that you've harbored bitterness or harbored unforgiveness in your heart that, and you say, oh, and I ne must never had it. No, it's, it's can you forgive now? Now, I want to tell you, forgiving someone may be a process of forgiving them over and over and over and over for the same thing. It may take some time before we can let it go. It may be a process of saying, Lord, help me to forgive. I do forgive. Help me to forgive them for what they did. What they did was awful and it was terrible, but help me not to hold it against them anymore. And it may be a few minutes later, it might not even be an hour later, and suddenly you feel that starting to well up, that, that anger and that bitterness. And you may have to go back to God and say, God, I reject holding on to this bitterness. I'm canceling their debt again. Lord, help me too. And you may have to, this may be a process for you. I don't believe that the worst crimes against us are forgiven in one act of forgiveness. They're not usually. The terrible crimes that, are, that can be committed against us, the, the deep hurts, especially if they happened to us while we were young, some of those, we form our, form our personalities, form who we are around those hurts. They become a part of who we are. And it may take a long time time of choosing to forgive 
over and over and over before that we can really let that go. It doesn't mean that we are refusing to forgive. It's that we're in the process. Every time that that comes up, I'm giving it back to God. And isn't that how the Lord kind of deals with us? You say, what? You know, I was saved for a few years before the Lord brought up some restitutions to me. You know, we talk about the, that salvation, God forgets our sins. That's not what it says. He says that he, that he uh, re- remembers them against us no more. It doesn't mean that he's forgotten what we've done. It's he no longer holds it against us. Otherwise, we wouldn't have to, God wouldn't remind us of any restitutions because he wouldn't remember them. Because he remembers them, just not against us, he can still bring along to us the need for restitution. Lord, you've forgiven me for that for two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, well, however long it might have been. Lord, you've forgiven me for that a long time ago. Why are you bringing it up now? Well, because you still have relationships that need dealt with. Because there's a person that needs it. And it may be just that time that they need to hear your apology. They might just be ready for it. Who knows? I don't know why God waits. Sometimes it seems like... I, I'm thinking of one restitution. It was six, seven years, I, mean, I think, after I got saved, before the Lord brought it to mind. I don't know why he waited so long. And maybe he didn't. Maybe I was just deaf spiritually. I didn't hear him. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't pretend to know all the workings of spiritual things, but I just remember when the Lord laid it on my heart and said, you need to address this. And it had been years later. So it isn't that God forgot it. Forgiving is not equal to forgetting. There are some hurts we'll never forget. We just never will. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is letting it go. Now, Gary might forgive me for purposely stomping on his foot, but it's not unforgiveness for him to be careful around me when I get close. That's not unforgiveness. Someone breaks your confidence doesn't mean you have to tell them a secret after you've forgiven them. It may be some time before you can trust them with a secret again, even though they've forgiven, or you, you've forgiven them. Forgive, uh, deal with us, Lord. Forgive us the way we forgive others. We talked about the sins of ignorance, the sins of negligence and accident. Do we know all of them and to apologize for? No. So what does that say about if someone hasn't asked for forgiveness, if, if Dean's never apologized for stomping on my foot? Do I have to forgive him still? Well, seeing as there are things that God's forgiving me for that I'm not even aware of or that I haven't asked for forgiveness, it tells me that I better forgive Dean for purposely stomping on my foot, or at least I think he did. Because, you know, we never really know the motives of people. I think one of the fo- most foolish things we do is when we, tell, when we decide what a person's motives are. We don't know the hearts of people. God does. 
And we spend a lot of time determining the motives of other people and assigning motives to people when we haven't the foggiest. But I forgive even though he hasn't asked me to because there are things that God has forgiven me that I did. There were things that when I prayed for salvation and I'm confessing my sins that I didn't remember all of them. I, had, uh, I confessed the ones I remembered and asked God to forgive all the host of other sins I didn't remember. And if I want God to deal with me the way that I've dealt with others, and actually we probably don't want God to deal with us the way we deal with others if we're truly honest, but God says that's how he's going to deal with us. It really changes the whole perspective on this, doesn't it? You see, we can't be reconciled to God while we refuse to be reconciled with each other. We can't. If I choose to hold someone in contempt, if I choose to hold someone in prison of my heart for what they've done wrong to me, as long as I hold that debt, God holds my debt. In Romania, during the time of the communism, and a Richard Wormbrand was put into a, into a cell for those that were dying. On his right hand, I believe, was a pastor who had been tortured and beaten to such a point that he was placed in there to die. And on his left was a communist man who had actually beaten this pastor to death, but this communist man, his friends turned on him and then beat him and then put him in prison. They're both laying there on either side of Richard, and they're both dying. And as Richard was laying there, this communist man begins to cry out, and he says, oh, Pastor, I'm not ready to die. I can't die. I've done all these terrible things. I've tortured people. I've killed people. I've done all, all awful things. He said, I, I can't, I, I'm not ready to die. And Wormbrand said that that pastor who was beaten so badly that he, that he was dying got out of his cot made his way over to the bed of that communist man, sat at his bedside, and he says, I have forgiven you. You just repent. He said, if I can forgive you and I'm just a man, God can forgive you so much more. And Wormbrand said that that, that pastor helped that communist man to make peace with God. And the pastor made his way back to his cot and in the morning, when Richard Wormbrand woke up, both of the men were in eternity. I think, I think about the fact that sometimes Christians, we struggle to forgive, but I wonder if it isn't our forgiveness, that's made, our lack of forgiveness might be standing in the way of someone else. 
And it might be standing in the way of our own prayers being answered. We cannot be reconciled with God so long as we refuse to be reconciled with someone else. Now we can attempt, I can can tell Brother Gary I'm sorry, and he can reject my apology. But all is clear as far as I'm concerned between him and all is clear between me and God. Now Brother Gary, that's, that's not the case. If he chooses not to forgive... But as long as I have asked for forgiveness and I have done all that's in my power to make it right, I can rest in the grace of God that he has forgiven me. I'm thankful that our forgiveness from God is not reliant on the forgiveness of others. But Jesus tells us that our forgiveness from God is reliant on our forgiving others. Jesus teaches us to pray. I believe every single day, Father, forgive my debts. Forgive the things that I've done against you in ignorance or through carelessness. Forgive those things. And those that have hurt me, help me to forgive them as you've forgiven me. Reconciliation with God. It's such a blessing. And thank God it works in this world. Reconciliation with each other. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. Sister Mayhan, would you dismiss us in prayer?